Get Back to Basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. Hi, and a good afternoon to you. Wonderful to be in your company this Wednesday afternoon here in Joburg. It's great to be joining you on Judaism 101.9. Yes, I'm Rabbi Michael Katz, and my pleasure to be able to present you with uh, some interesting facts, some interesting things about this week, the week ahead, um, things from a Jewish point of view and things that are appropriate for Judaism 101.9. I'd like to deal with today two important things. Number one, the uh, date or the date rather that we're going into tonight and tomorrow, which has a tremendous significance, as we'll explain in a moment, as well as the fact that on this coming Shabbat, we bless a new month. The new month is only going to come into being, actually, at the end of next week on Friday and on Shabbat is what we know as Rosh Chodesh. But on the Shabbos before a Rosh Chodesh, every Rosh Chodesh except for um, one in individual Rosh Chodesh where there is a subtle, a slight difference. But otherwise, we celebrate a special day on which we say a special blessing for the new month up ahead. And the Shabbos is called Shabbos Mevarachim, Shabbat Mevarachim. We're talking about it's the Shabbos of blessing. Now, we know that Shabbos is always a blessing, but to have a special Shabbos of blessing for a brand new month is something that is deeply significant and important. And perhaps to spend a little bit of time unpacking exactly what we do from a Judaism 101.9 point of view, as well as thinking about um, what it means to us from a spiritual point of view. So first and foremost, let's get into chatting about tonight and tomorrow, which on the Jewish calendar, excuse me, is the 22nd day of Shvat, otherwise known as Chof Bet Shvat. Chof Bet Shvat, this is 22nd day of Shvat. Now, this Chof Bet Shvat, um, is actually a, a day on which we commemorate a couple of important sites. One of them is the famous Kotzke Rebbe, passed away in 1859, interestingly enough, on Chof Shvat. He was the renowned Hasidic leader, forerunner of the Ger Hasidic dynasty, as well as others. Um, and it is his site actually on Chof Shvat, the date of his passing as well. But... More significantly to us today is the fact that it is the date on which the Lubavitcher Rebbe's wife, the Rebetzin as she was known, Rebetzin Chaya Mushka Schneerson, passed away in the year 1988. She died on the 22nd day of Shvat, 5748, which was 1988. Now, if we think about the concept of a Rebetzin, and we often use that Name perhaps somewhat frivolously. I mean, as a rabbi, yes, I have a wife. She probably hates um, calling herself a rabbitson, but it became the name that was given to a rabbi's wife. Um, very, very different to um, the idea of um, any other marriage, I guess, because, you know, when you're married to a doctor, you become the wife of the doctor. When you're married to a rabbi, you should be just the wife of the rabbi or the rabbi's wife. Here, they got a title all of their own called a Rebetzin. But there were certain Rebetzins that were certainly elevated to a completely different level. And most particularly in the Hasidic dynasties, in the Hasidic homes, or the Hasidic 
parts of Judaism, whether it is Chabad, whether it's any of the others, the Rebetzin was the way that was the, the, the name that was given, that was referred to just one individual. So there may have been a lot of Rebetzins in Shul on a particular Shabbos, but there was only one Rebetzin. And that Rebetzin was the Rebbe's wife. Now, this Rebbe's wife, Rebetzin Chaim Mushka Schneerson, was not only the Rebbe's wife, but she happened to have been a Rebbe's daughter as well. Um, so this term really, really applied to her possibly in many ways much more than to anybody else because she happened to have been the second of three daughters um, of Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak Schneerson, the sixth Chabad Rebbe and his Rebetzin, the Hamadina. Um, she was the middle daughter and her husband, who was a distant cousin, then became the seventh Rebbe, our Rebbe, Rabbi Menachem Mendel Schneerson. So the Rebetzin was a Rebetzin kind of whichever way you looked at it. She was the daughter of the previous Rebbe. She was the wife of the Rebbe and very, very fitting to have her as or called the Rebetzin. However, it was probably something that she herself shied away from. This Rebetzin really probably never wanted to be known as a Rebetzin either. And she never called herself by that name. In fact, it was well known, um, certainly when I was a young man in yeshiva and so on, uh, growing up in uh, the annals of uh, or the, the, uh, the, the areas of Crown Heights in Brooklyn and so on, spending time, having the privilege to spend time in that environment. Um, it was well known that the Rebetzin was a very, very private person. And whenever she referred to herself, for instance, if she called to make an appointment at the doctor or she called to uh, place an order at the uh, grocery store or the butchery, she would call herself Mrs. Schneerson from President Street. So it also goes to tell us a little bit just in that itself about the character of this amazing, incredible person in this amazing, incredible woman whose Yorotzeit is tonight and tomorrow, Chav Shvat. Now, interestingly enough, her grandfather, the fifth Chabad Rebbe, actually suggested her name. Because when she was born, um, Rabbi Shalom Dovber, who was the fifth Rebbe, was traveling abroad, and he sent a telegram to her father saying, Mazel tov on the birth of your daughter. So he sent a telegram then to his son. Mazel tov on the birth of your daughter. If she hasn't yet been named, she should be called Chaya Mushka, the name of the wife of the Tzemach Tzedek, the third Chabad Rebbe. So he directly suggested her name, and she was aptly then named Chaya Mushka. Now, amongst family and close friends, she was known just as Musia, a Russian Yiddish equivalent of Mushka, um, but in fact, on her legal papers, it was spelt Musia, M-O-U-S-S-I-A. This Rabbitson, even as a young woman, used to encourage girls to light Shabbat candles. Um, it's often been a source of debate and uh, certainly was a strong campaign of the Lubavitcher Rebbe, of her husband, to get young girls to light Shabbat candles, even before they were married. And in fact, it has become well known that the Rebetzin, as a young woman, actually pushed this amongst single girls to light Shabbat candles before they were married. And it seems to be 
perhaps that the Rebbe took this on as a campaign, um, possibly significantly, because his own Rebbetson had actually suggested it when uh, she was a young woman and put it as a goal for all young women to light Shabbat candles and thereby bring much more light into the world. Now, in case you didn't know, February the 1st was Car Insurance Day. The perfect reminder to re-evaluate your current car insurance. SMS out to 40251 or call 0860006000 for a quote. 0860006000 for a quote and our insurance could save you money. If they can't, you can ask them for 500 rand or 1,500 rand if you've been claim-free and with the same insurer for three years. That's out to 40251 or call 0860006000 and let the celebrations begin. Our insurance is a licensed insurer and FSP. T's, C's and standard rates apply. Free SMS. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. Yes, Judaism 101.9 with Rabbi Michael Katz. And here we are on this beautiful Wednesday afternoon. And we're talking about tonight and tomorrow, which is Chof Bey Shvat, the 22nd day in the month of Shvat. And as mentioned before the break, it is the yard site of the Rebetzin. The Rebetzin being the Chabad Rebetzin, the wife of the Lubavitcher Rebbe. And as we said before, she was also the daughter of the previous Rebbe. So she had a father who was the Rebbe and she had a husband who was the Rebbe. But she herself had this tremendous stature, albeit a very, very humble uh, individual as she was, referring to herself, as we said, as Mrs. Schneerson from President Street. But in fact, she was the Rebbetson in the most incredible fashions that not many people actually knew about. Number one, as we mentioned before the break, she used to encourage young girls uh, when she was a young girl to light Shabbat candles, even before their weddings, bringing more light into the world. Now, as the communist noose tightened around the Jewish community um, in the time of her father's tenure as the rabbi, Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak Schneerson, who uh, led the struggle to maintain Jewish observance and Torah study against tremendous, tremendous pushback from the communist regime and from the government of the time then in Russia. Um, she, Chaya Mushka, was um, in her early 20s. And she was right beside her father in his activism. She was known to be very level-headed, very brave. And her father actually authorized her to act on his behalf in all matters. Now, you can imagine this young girl, this young woman um, in a, uh, from a great Hasidic family. Um, she was the... Uh, in many, many ways, the Rebbe's shliach, uh, she was the Rebbe's emissary, um, representing him um, in many, many matters, both from a legal point of view as well as a political point of view. And in fact, when the Soviets arrested Rabbi Yosef Yitzchak Schneerson and sentenced him to exile in the distant place of Kostroma, she joined him there at his request. Um, and on the 12th of Tammuz, actually, when he was um, released from there, when he was redeemed from there, when it was announced that he was going to be freed from all the terrible things that had been stacked up against him by the communists, it was in fact she, Chaya Mushka, 
the Rabbitson, who was the bearer of the good news of her father's release. In fact, she was well known for having spread her activity beyond the Chabad community. We very often think of things as being very polarized, um, and perhaps partially they were in Eastern Europe, as they are perhaps in many places around the world, but not by the rabbits. And while she was living in Rostov, she was known to regularly smuggle food and candles to the Novardok Yeshiva, which was a non-Hasidic institution of Torah learning um, located then in the city of Rostov. It is well known that when she married the Rebbe in the autumn of 1927, the Rebbe and the Rebbe took place in, in Warsaw in, in 1928, but um, it was well known that, unfortunately, her parents-in-law were unable to attend the wedding. The authorities did not allow the Rebbe's parents, it was Rabbi Levi Yitzchak and Rebbe Tzinchan to leave the Soviet Union, and they held a parallel celebration in their apartment in um, what is now today Yekaterinoslav, and then Dnepr Trovotsk, I can never get the name right, which continued then throughout the night. Um, she was engaged to her husband, to the Rebbe, um, when, uh, and, and they actually left the Soviet Union and had moved to Riga and Latvia, and it was there that the wedding um, was planned and took place in a grand event in Warsaw in 1928. It was also well known about the Rebbeitsen, there are some tidbits of information and anecdotes about the fact that she once actually saved a man from a Nazi bomb. Now, this was um, soon after their marriage. Um, the couple, the young couple, the Rebbe and the Rebbeitsen, settled in Berlin, but with the no- rise of Nazism, they moved to Paris. And in May 1940, when France was invaded by the Germans, um, the couple fled to Nice in southern France. And in the course of their flight, there was a devastating bombardment. When people were running in all directions, the Rebbeitsen, Chaim Mushka, noticed a shell actually heading towards a man next to her, a random individual. And she quickly pushed him to the ground, saving his life. Recounting the story, and just think of this greatness, recounting the story decades later, the Rebbeitsen quite character- characteristically remarked, she said, true, I saved his life, but for pushing a Jew down, one must do tshuva. Imagine that. She saved his life, and she said she still had to do tshuva for the fact that she pushed him to the ground, um, even though um, that was, um, of course, the action that saved his life. Now, um, Chaya Mushka, the Rebbeitsen, and her husband arrived on American shores in the spring of 1941, um, but her younger sister, her name, his name was Shana, and her husband, Rabbi Menachem Mendel Horenstein, were trapped in Poland, and after the war, it was discovered that they had, in fact, perished in the gas chambers in Treblinka. And when war broke out, her in-laws were in the primitive village of Shieli, as it's known today in Kazakhstan, um, where Rabbi Levi Yitzchak had been forced into exile as punishment for his efforts on behalf of Judaism, the spreading of Torah and teaching and so on. Ironically, this had saved him from the Nazis' onslaught, but their son, so in other words, the Rebbeitsen's brother-in-law, the Rebbe's brother, whose name was Dov Bear, was murdered by the Nazis and was buried in a mass grave. 
The Rabbitson herself was actually instrumental in her husband becoming a rabbi because when her father passed away in 1950, um, there was a debate about what the future leader or who the future leader of the Chabad Lubavitch movement would actually be. And it was the Rabbitson Chayamushka Schneerson who in fact persuaded her husband because the Hasidim were begging, they were pushing, they were cajoling the Rebbe to become Rebbe. But only finally when the Rabbitson um, uh, pressured him herself, even though she must have been well aware of the fact that this was going to be at great personal sacrifice, um, she in fact prevailed upon him to accept the position um, as um, it was well known a lot later on. The Rabbitson herself would um, often wait up all night for her husband, for the rabbit to return. This was well known by the people, the staff in the house, who um, used to or did bear testimony to the fact that um, even though the rabbi had such long hours, it was well known that the rabbi sometimes left his office after a night of yechidus, of private interviews with Hasidim. He often came home. Um, in the early hours of the morning and uh, very often uh, after the sun had already risen, sometimes at 6 or 7 a.m. in the morning after a long night. And it was well known that um, the Rabbitson would most often wait up the entire night for her husband to return so that she was ready to greet him when he arrived home. She took great pride in all her husband's campaigns. It was known that she was very, very instrumental in um, helping to actually um, think them through together with him. But she understood um, the thought that had gone into it. And she was very, very much at the forefront of um, being a real campaigner um, herself for all of um, her husband, the Rebbe's mitzvah campaigns. Unfortunately, the Rebbeson was not blessed with any children. And this is something that is pretty well known. The Rebbe and the Rebbeson did not have children. But she was sometimes asked, and people, um, and sometimes perhaps inadvertently, perhaps mistakenly, perhaps when they came into the house and not realizing exactly the situation, they asked, where are your children? Um, she would answer that her chassidim, those who followed the ways of her husband, were in fact her children. The Rebbe once made a comment about his Rebbeson, and it was an interesting story. Um, the Lubavitch Women's Organization had sent her a bouquet of flowers together with a list of individuals for whom blessings were requested. And uh, setting aside the flowers for the Rebbeson, the Rebbe's secretary passed on the letter to the Rebbe, who, observing that it was addressed to his wife, asked his secretary to give it to her. And he said, she too is capable of giving blessings. This powerful and wonderful woman as we said, passed away on the 22nd of Shvat in 1988. And it's become a tradition. She's buried um, right next to the Rebbe's Ohel um, in the uh, uh, Chabad section of the old Montefiore Cemetery in Queens in New York. Uh, for those who have visited, they will know exactly what I'm talking about. And um, uh, the date of her passing was chosen as the day for the annual conference of Chabad Lubavitch women shluchos emissaries. And in fact, um, there always is, um, of course, in these times it will be held um, on Zoom, but there always is a conference, a gathering um, of Chabad Lubavitch emissaries, um, which takes place out of New York. But of course, people will hook up to it all over the world um, tonight, tomorrow and um, thereafter. 
Now, it is also well known that many, many women were named after her. After her passing in 1988, many women were named Chaya Mushka or Musia, as it is um, uh, termed, as we have mentioned before, uh, named for the Robertson. So, tonight and tomorrow, we pay special tribute and honor to the Robertson, the Robertson Chaya Mushka Shniasen, who um, gave of herself, her time, her effort, her energy, in not only supporting her great and wonderful husband, but she was great in her own right, and provided a tremendous amount of personal inspiration, of personal blessing, of personal um, countenance that she showered upon so many people who were able to come into contact with her. I will tell you, having lived in uh, Crown Heights for uh, five, six years, as we did as Bachram studying in Yeshiva and thereafter once married, and the Robertson was not a person that you um, ever saw. You saw her very rarely. I can remember seeing her once going into 770. I can remember seeing her once driving in the car, but that's almost about it. Um, and yes, sometimes when you were at a store, um, the uh, storekeepers would ask um, Bachram to uh, take a walk down President Street and drop a package uh, for the rabbi and the Robertson on at their front door. But you were told then to leave it in the portico to ring the bell and to leave uh, she was a very, very private person, although there were some who had the privilege of being able to spend some time um, on a personal uh, relationship, personal way uh, together with her. And she was known to be the most uh, doting and incredible hostess, um, a really, really, truly great example of what a Robertson should be, what a a woman should be what a Bat Israel, what a Jewish woman should be, and certainly what a princess um, should be to the Jewish people. And it's tonight and tomorrow that we pay tribute to her on her yard site. And please God, we should be able to take some of the great and wonderful messages, the great and wonderful things that she stood for and that she taught and integrate them into our lives, both women and men and young people into how to live a meaningful and a beautiful and a powerful and a giving life um, just like she did. And in her honor, perhaps, to um, increase in our acts of goodness and kindness in our various mitzvot, and perhaps particularly on this coming Shabbat, to think about it in terms of lighting candles for uh, women to do so, for their daughters to do so, and to bring a lot more light into the world, just like she did. Be back with you right after this. Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. Yes, and welcome back. Um, we said right at the beginning we're going to be talking a little bit about Shabbos Mavarachim. Yes, coming up this Shabbos, this Shabbat, we bless the new month. Now, the concept of a new month in Judaism plays a big, big role, but the blessing of the new month on the Shabbos before that new month actually arrives and as I mentioned before, Rosh Chodesh is actually only next week, Friday and Shabbat. We begin the new month in a way by starting with the blessing on the Shabbos before. It is called Shabbos Mavarachim. It's the Shabbos on which we bless the new month. Now, this particular new month of Adar has a significance to it in that our sages tell us that Mishenichnas Adar Marbim Besimcha. Now, it's a strange and interesting thing. Um, which, by the way, means when the new month of Adar arrives, we increase in our joy. So it's an interesting thing that every single Jewish month 
has a certain characteristic. It has a certain character to it every month. And very often, the months are kind of, the character of the month is kind of dictated by what happens in that month. If you think about it, so the month of Nisan is known really for Pesach that occurs in Nisan. And therefore, it is the month of redemption. It's the month of Pesach. Tishrei is Rosh Hashanah and so on. When it comes to uh, the um, the months, therefore, they kind of are characterized by an essential ingredient, by a chag, by a festival, by an atmosphere that uh, pervades that month and actually inspires that month and leads that month to be what it actually is. The month of Adar is kind of this month of unbridled joy. The whole Jewish people were threatened with the story of Purim and then the turnaround that uh, happened with the story of Purim is kind of the exhilaration and the enthusiasm and the excitement and the joy that the month of Adar connotes uh, for us all as we head towards it. This is the type of joy that we are linking into during the month. Now, when it comes to the Shabbat before and we bless the month, the concept of a bracha, of a blessing, and even a blessing that you and I say or pronounce or give to each other, is that we're kind of drawing down the spiritual energy that is contained in Shamaim, in heaven, in God's chamber of energies, and we are drawing it down into the world for that particular time. We are kind of tapping into it. We're accessing it, and we're inviting Hashem, we're inviting God to help us and to bless this month, and the month up ahead, then carries with it that particular um, characteristic of that month. And so, with this month of Adar, unbridled joy, incredible simcha, is uh, what we have in mind. And even on this coming Shabbat, as we pronounce the blessing over the coming new month. And as we stand in shul, and thank God we have the opportunity now to be back in our shuls, those of us who are able to uh, daven together with a minion, or if you're saying it at home, one can say this as well, we actually stand and we pronounce a blessing over the coming new month. And this is called the actions of Shabbat Mavarachim. So in Shul, the Chazan or the reader or the rabbi holds the Torah and says the following, May he who performed miracles for our fathers and redeemed them from slavery to freedom Speedily redeem us and gather our dispersed people from the four corners of the earth, uniting all of Israel, and let us say Amen. And then we say Rosh Chodesh, and we name the months, and it will be Rosh Chodesh Adar, will be on the days of Friday and Shabbat, as we will say it then, which comes to us and all Israel for good. And then we say, may the Holy One, blessed be He, renew it for us and for all His people, the house of Israel, for life and peace. Everybody says Amen. For gladness and for joy, everybody says Amen. For deliverance and consolation, and let us say Amen. And in that way, we are tapping into, drawing, uh, kind of piercing the container of that energy up in Shamayim and asking God to shower it down upon us uh, for the duration of the coming month. May it be one that is blessed. And we'll be back with you right after this. IFM 101.9 megahertz of life. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. So 
yes, um, as we head towards the end of our time together on this beautiful Wednesday afternoon, I would like to just recap a little bit of what we spoke about. We were talking about the Rebetzin Chaya Mushka Shneerson, whose yard site is tonight and tomorrow. And of course, all the wonderful things that the Rebetzin stood for and taught, not the least of which is her great, incredible humility um, as the Rebetzin um, that perhaps uh, taught more and spoke volumes about not only her special character, but the way that each and every one of us should conduct ourselves in our attitude towards each other, in our attitude towards community, in our attitude towards our Torah and our mitzvahs, um, and the exemplary fashion in which she taught that by fine example is something that we all need to take on board and emulate. And of course then, coming up on this Shabbos, Shabbos Mavarchim, the Shabbos on which we bless the new month of Adar. Now, yes, I don't want to be the one who reminds you of the fact that it was actually uh, last year, round right about this time, that we started getting into panic stations about uh, pandemics and so on. And shortly after Purim, uh, this is where it all began, hopefully. Uh, this time around, the month of Adar will not only be filled with joy, but it will be filled with a uh, total turnaround, because that is what Purim is about. The idea of things being completely and absolutely transformed from misery into sadness, from uh, uh, depression and darkness into the greatest, most beautiful, brilliant light of uh, simcha, of joy that Purim actually connotes and the month of Adar connotes. And it all actually starts on this Shabbat, on the Shabbos on which we ask God to join us and we bless the new month. We say that bracha over the new month and we draw down the energy of simcha, of joy, of transformation, of um, all the wonderful things that hopefully this month of Adar will actually bring for each and every one of us. I want to wish you a great Shabbat up ahead. A good Chodesh, because we can already do that, um, although we will speak again, please God, before the actual arrival of the month of Adar. But um, that is actually what we're thinking about on this Shabbos. Great Shabbos up ahead, great rest of the week, and I'll be back with you, please God, same time, same place on Judaism 101.9. Take care. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008.